Welcome to A Table for Two, inspiring and educational interviews and stories with the best operators, owners, and entrepreneurs in business and the hospitality industry. My name is Phil Halani, and on today's episode, we chat to Jonathan Israfil, owner of Curbside Creamery. Jonathan's journey in hospitality only came about when he was fired from his civil engineering job during the start of the pandemic. He had an idea to create Sydney's first cheesecake on a stick with your option for your favourite flavours. What started as a small setup on his front yard under a small marquee has now turned into a very successful business with two food trucks, an online business and delivering all around Sydney. With nearly 40,000 followers on Instagram, Curbside Creamery has developed a cult following. Jonathan's story is inspiring and a great listen to anyone wanting to leave their job to start their own business. A quick shout out to our good friends at ProCow Dairies, Sonoma Bacon Co and MD Providors, who are passionate about small businesses, the hospitality industry and also this podcast. So we have Jonathan Israfil from Curbside Creamery. Jonathan has been avoiding me for a long, long time. <laughs> um, we, we, sp- we met probably about a year ago, I'd probably say a year ago now and yep. um, it was... Yeah, I've been trying to get you on ever since. So, how you doing, mate? Good. Thanks for having me, Phil. It's a pleasure, man. Are you? Are you? Tell me your feeling of, of coming on the podcast. What's the, What's you, the feeling? You like? know, I'm nervous about this. <laughs> you know, I don't like this stuff. Yeah, yeah. I think the reason there's a big part of why I wanted to get you on the podcast because I think your passion and, and obsession for for creating something really special and doing something really cool is is pretty amazing. So, I want to talk about your story. Um, you don't have the traditional, typical hospitality journey. I don't. So, can you talk to us about what life was like growing up? Yeah, sure. No worries. Um, I went to school, I was um, probably one of the kids that the teacher would describe as distracted or distracting, um, but I definitely had uh, aptitude for like mathematics and numbers and stuff like that. Um, and in year 12 is when I had a group of people around me that really buckled down and wanted to perform well. And so um, I actually, I ended up buckling down as well because I had the, the positive influences around me. Mm. Um, and I ended up graduating and getting into U- the University of New South Wales studying um, engineering. That's awesome, man. So talk to us about that journey. Before hospitality, what was university like? I mean, was like you said, you knuckled down. You obviously switched on enough to, to do well and graduate. What was university like? And then what was it like once you graduated and you got your job in corporate? Y- university was cool, man. It was um, the first time that really no one was on your case about what you were doing anymore. So in... in mm. In school, it's like um, the teachers really like, oh, have you done this? Have you done that? People are checking up on you. In, on university, it's like whether you do, whether you don't, you've got to finish it to get your degree. So it's on you, right? Mm. Um, so it was an interesting um, switch, but it was cool. Again, I had like a group of people around me that were really switched on and that really wanted to do work. And so I sort of that sort of made me buckle down as well. And, you know, I graduated. I went into my first job, which was a, a big... That was a big uh, a wake-up call, you know. Um, what was your job? I, I went into a structural engineering role. That was my first job um, at a place where the culture was in actually incredible. I've, I'm still mates with the people um, that I met there today and we still regularly catch up. Mm. Um, what made it a good culture? Everybody was there to help everybody else. Everyone on that team wanted to pick up the slack for anybody else who was maybe drowning in work. And so it really taught me a lot about, um, about teamwork and how important that is. But not just that, the people were so easygoing and friendly. Like the, everyone there I'm still mates with to this day. Mm. But it was, it was just 
what really opened my eyes was, um, you know, I studied for four years. So I was like, oh, awesome, you know. Um, I'm going to get this awesome job. I'm going to get um, X amount of money. And really, like, when you get off of the job, it's not even it's, – it's nowhere near what you think you're going to get paid. And it's like, man, I just studied four years. Is this, <laughs> is this what that study's worth? But yeah. That's what it's like. You've got to sort of work your way up the ladder again. You're starting at the bottom. So it was very different for me. So you're, you're, you're a structural engineer. You're loving the culture. You're loving the company. At one point, do you say, all right, I want to get into hospitality or I have my own business? How old were you? Okay, I was, uh, I would have been 27 at the time and um, I'd, I decided to make the change from structural to civil engineering and so I was in construction now, which were longer hours, um, a little bit less mentally strenuous work, so you're not really thinking about, you're not using numbers or math anymore, you're sort of using a lot more logic here. But I made the switch up um, and... During the, the first lockdown in Sydney, I, I get a phone call from my um, my then boss and he was like, look, I'll come in for a meeting on Monday. Like we were two days into working from home and I was wrapped. I was like, awesome. <laughs> I don't have to make the commute to work every day, which yeah. took an hour there and an hour back. So I thought I'd have a lot more time for stuff. Um, and my boss actually gave me a lot more time for stuff and was like, look, we're going to let you go. You're, you're not going to be working here anymore. So... <clears throat> So maybe one month into the lockdown, um, pretty much the only thing you could do during the first lockdown was go out to get something to eat. Mm-hmm. So and sorry, just so you, you've your boss has told you you can't, you need to, we need to let you go because obviously yeah. they can't afford to keep you on. Yeah, well, I was on my six months probation, so he didn't. It okay. w- I had just made the switch from structural into civil engineering. Okay, and. Um, how'd, that yeah. make you, how'd that make you feel, man? Like, get, like you you study four years, you were structural engineer, you went to civil. You're working with this company. You're thinking this is the future. If yeah. you're going to get fired, you'd probably still be working there, right? Yeah. So what, what was the feeling like? Uh, initially, it's initially it's all right. You're like, you know what? There are a lot of other people in this scenario. Um, every, a lot of people are being let go now. You know, There's not a lot of work for everyone out there. So initially, you're okay with it. And then um, it sort of sets in that you don't have a routine anymore. You're not progressing you're not doing something with your day anymore you sort of have to fill your day with cooking or playing cards with the family yeah, or watching yeah. Netflix or, you know? <laughs> yeah, or going for walks or running or whatever yeah. you can do during the lockdown right um so there's it really like the longer it goes on the more it sets in it's like and you start to doubt yourself you're like why was I let go from that job why wasn't you know mm. the person next to me was it because I was the newest or was it because I'm not a good engineer, you know? Could I have worked harder? You start to really question all this sort of stuff. So it's, it's tough, man. And so you're obviously sitting at home, you're going for walks, FaceTime with friends, whatever it is. How does the idea for Curbside Creamery come about? And can you tell people what, what Curbside Creamery is for people that don't know? If they're right. living under a rock. So. All right, so <laughs> Curbside Creamery is cheesecake on a stick, right? We basically put a cheesecake on a stick. We coat it in all different like types of toppings um, and we make a whole bunch of different flavours and we release one new flavour every week. Mm. The idea came about way before the lockdown. It was something that I actually approached my, my sister and my mum with and I was like, well, I've got this really cool idea that I think if we, if we bring here would be amazing. I think people would really love it. I love food. I love eating. Me and my girlfriend go out and eat a lot. So... It was something that I thought that if we brought to Sydney would be phenomenal, right? 
So I approached them with it. I'm like, look, I'm working. I'm not going to do anything with this idea. I think you guys, you know, should pursue it. They were working as well, but I thought it was something that cool that they could work on. Yeah. Um, and then during the lockdown, I was talking to my girlfriend on the phone. She was on her work break. She was an essential worker, so she's still working. I was sort of complaining about how... You know, I, I feel a little bit useless. There's not, there's no work for me to do. There's nothing that makes me feel productive or like I'm progressing forward. And she was like, remember that, that cheesecake on a stick idea that you had? You know, why don't you do that now? Why don't you pursue that now? Um, there's not a lot that people can do. They're still allowed to go out and eat. Um, why don't you try that? A lot of people are allowed now to work, like to, to sell food from the front of their house, you know. It was really popular then for food trucks or food vendors to sell from the front of their house. Mm. And um, I, I got off the phone with her and I ran with that idea. I was like, yeah, let's, let's get it. Let's get it going. That's cool, man. And then so let's, let's talk to us about starting a business because if you're – I mean, if you were in hospitality beforehand, you have a rough idea of what you need to get like set up and, and as a business owner. Like if I work in a cafe, I know that I have to hire these people. I know I have to call these people. As a business owner starting in lockdown – how did you get started? I initially thought, Phil, this, so this was my idea, right? We were going to set up at the front of my house. We were going to get an Uber Eats tablet and a DoorDash tablet. And we were just going to sit around playing cards so until cool. we got an order. <laughs> until we got an order. And I was like, okay, everybody up, let's make this, you know, and um, we'll wait for the driver to pick it up and, and they'll go. Um, it didn't end up being like that it wasn't it was like day one it was a massive line how did they know about it who would they hear from it like uh luckily for me i've got a whole bunch of friends that i that i i got them all over for a taste test the week before and i was like guys like tell me what you think of this and it was a limited menu as well it wasn't like or a whole offering and they just really they they tried it and loved it and were like all right like we can fix here we can fix this um but they went and told their friends and then their friends went and told their friends and it really was like this like knock-on effect where everyone was talking about it and I'm so grateful for that because, you know, day one there was a, a line down the street and um, I was like, oh, it was just, it's just our friends and family, you know, like it, it won't happen tomorrow and, and the next day it happened again and the day after that it happened again, so... It's really a blessing. So it was natural, organic growth, people telling word of mouth, yeah. your social media blowing yeah. up. How are you setting yourself up for this? Because, again, this is – I mean, you're a switched-on guy. You know business. You know you've gone to university. But hospo and business, are like when you – prac and theory is a whole different thing, right? So when you're in the business and you're working and you're, and you're growing and it's getting busier, how are you dealing with these challenges? Definitely. Look, luck, luckily for me, I've got people around me who have either owned businesses before okay. or worked – in hospitality businesses before. And that's those are really the people that I lent on during those early days. Like, how do I do this? How do I get someone in to do this? How can I improve here? How can we add this? How can I eliminate this from, you know, I have to do this every single day. How can we fix this? And so um, those are the people that I really reached out to and was like, help, please. <laughs> and so these people, they help you. You're learning along as you go. At this time you had one food truck, is that? No, we still had the tent. The and, um, yeah, from it was, home. It was literally a marquee. It was a wow. three by three marquee. The front of your house. The, from the front of my house, and um, it wasn't until um, Mike from Susie Dukes reached out, um, and, and he was like, he he really got onto it early, and he was like, oh, he reached out through a mutual friend that we both have, Isaac, 
you know Isaac. Shout out to Isaac. Yeah, huh? shout out to Isaac <laughs> and shout out to Mike. Um, he reached down and he's like, look, I think what you're doing is really cool. What if, we, you know, you brought that here to, to Ingleburn where Susie Dukes is um, and we collaborated. And I was like, look, that's, a, that's an awesome idea. I just don't know, how can I pull up everything that I've got here and, and do it there? Um, and so that's when I started thinking about a food truck, you know. We'll, we'll get all of this, we'll do it in a food truck and that way we can visit a plethora of other businesses. Because Mike wasn't the only one that reached out. Yeah. A whole bunch of other people were like, hey, I really think what you're doing is cool. Why don't you do that here? Why don't you set up next to my business? Why don't you set up next to, you know, this pizza place or this burger place? And, and um, they wanted to have us there. So um, that really gave us the idea for the food truck. And at what point did you, you know, you're getting a lot of interest. People are wanting you to do collaborations. You're still working from your town, but you start thinking about the food truck. At what point did you think, hey, this can be my career? Oh, okay. That's a good question. We were in the, so we were in the, in the um, marquee still. And um, I was still applying for jobs every day. So I'd, I'd so finish you're still work. Looking for, you're still... Yeah, maybe for the first month I would still every single day I would just jump on, see what new jobs were available on Seek, see what new jobs were available on Indeed. I'd be attempting to like reach out to people on LinkedIn, like, hey, this is my name, this is my CV. If you ever have an opening at your company, like I really want to um, interview for a position. Maybe four weeks in... I was like, I was at a crossroads. I was at a point where I was like, okay, I can either re double down on what I have here and really invest in it or I can continue to do what I do and it'll just be a phase and it'll disappear maybe after lockdown or when people, mm. when people around us are just sick of getting us because we can't move anywhere, that, that's when it'll just be nothing, you know. Um, so maybe four weeks in, six weeks in, something like that. Around, it was really early days. I really decided that I wasn't going to apply for jobs anymore and I was going to give this a really solid crack. So I was going to focus, focus all my energy instead of applying for jobs now, how can we improve this? And so you, you, right now it's like it's better to say you're not going back to your... <laughs> nah, <it's>, that's <laughs> I'm definitely not going back to, um, to engineering, uh, God willing. So, you know, we're going to go back and forth a little bit but... I mean, a lot of people in corporate or, or people that have a, you know, have studied a degree and they want to leave their business. They want to keep doing, they want to, sorry, they want to leave their, their job and start their own business, create their own business. It, it really happens. And it probably wouldn't have happened with you if you didn't get fired, right? Yeah, my, my hand was definitely forced. So what, if someone's listening now and that's in that position that wants to go out and do something like that, what's the, what's the goal? What's the, what advice would you give them on that? I, I'd a hundred percent say go for it. Mm. Um, but I'm not saying, I'm not advocating that anyone leave their job and just give something a, a crack, right? Do your research, really, really try and hone in on exactly what it is you want to do and obsess about it so that you know it inside and out. Um, and, and if you can, if you can sort of like leverage your risk by doing it while you work and then, you know, quitting your job, by all means do it. But um, you definitely should give it a crack. It's letting go... Uh, <clears throat> being fired from my job was the biggest blessing that I couldn't see in, in my life. It, I, I couldn't see it until I'm looking back now. But it was the greatest thing that actually ever happened to me. So if you're in that same position right now, I think you should definitely pick something that you love, that you enjoy doing, that you think you'd be great at. Hone your skills while you can and really give it a red-hot crack. 
I love that, man. And this is a big reason why I wanted you on because I can it just the, just the words you use there, the obsession, and if you love it, and then go for it, you know. But I find that you've also you 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 always kind of assess the risk and and decide is this the right way to go. And but you you grew the right way. You grew from originally it was going to be a Uber and a Deliveroo t- a tablet, yeah. and it was a tent. Yeah. Then you said you started to, you invested in a food truck. Yeah. Is it a caravan? It's it, a trailer. Trailer. It's a trailer. So talk to us. Okay, so let's go back to this this um, this trailer. So people are asking you to to do to, yeah, do, to do some pop ups. Yeah. What's the next step? How do you get this trailer organized? I just start researching who people that build trailers. I'm, I'm on. I'm frantically calling people. I'm maybe calling like eight to ten people a day I, until I called everybody in Australia. I'm pretty sure. Um, <laughs> and I just didn't understand how. I'd be allowed, like, do I just purchase this from you and that's it? I'm allowed to, I'm allowed to just work, like, in it? Or what, does someone have to come look at it? Like, how does this all work? So I, re- I called council and you, sh- and you should. You should. This is what you should do. If you don't know something, just call people, just ask. They'll tell you. Um, I called council maybe 30 times. Hey, am I allowed to do this? Hey, can I do this? Hey, uh, I, I have this idea. Is this, am I, uh, is this, you know... Um, am I breaking any rules if I do this? So just call and ask. And um, we found some people that could build a trailer for us. They built it exactly. We didn't need much in there, um, but they built it exactly how we wanted it. And that was it. A month later, we had our trailer. So you got you got this trailer now and then you've gone, you're no longer doing it at home anymore? Uh, no, we still did it at home <laughs> for a little bit. Because it's still, it's still, for me, it was still really hard. Even though all these people were reaching out, some people couldn't, provide power or I wasn't allowed to leave the trailer on site or um, I couldn't get the trailer into the spot that they had for me. So it was still really hard for me to find spots right to spot. go to. Yeah. Oh, okay. And you have to like network with the business owner and make sure, you know, that our businesses are compatible, you know. We're not going to be um, fighting for the same Can- customer. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, 100%. We're going to be fighting for the same customer, you know. It yeah. was So really I had to network a lot and meet a whole bunch of people before I had – a consistent number of places I could visit regularly. Mm. Yeah, you talk about some of those challenges of, of you know, the the, van, the the trailer won't fit on site or um, there's no electricity. What other challenges did you have as you were starting to grow? Oh, man, what didn't we have? Uh, honestly, um, I th- every element of our business has been worked on. From, Phil, to start, we literally used to get hot dog boxes and have to snip out a hole for the, for the skewer. Right, yeah. so from the start, like every part of our product needed to be needed to be worked on, right? So um, something as small as the packaging would take us hours to do. We'd have to cut all the packaging by hand. So we re- really realized early on, hey, we need custom packaging. You know, we need to get this whole pre-cut out for us so that the stick comes out and the product fits inside. Um, so it was everything really, you know, branding, we worked really hard on branding. We, um, which is something that at the start, you know, um, if you care about branding, you really don't want to be in a three by three marquee. (laughs) But I mean, it's, it's a cool story now looking back, right? (laughs) Yeah. It's funny, but would I ever do it again? Definitely not. Yeah. Okay. There's two things getting, 
there's a saying we have here out here in Penrith, there's a few of us that we have like a business group and it's always get to market, open and figure it out later. And I think the fact that you opened and, and there are challenges, but like you said, something simple as the, the skewers on the cheesecake stick that would have fit in the yeah. box, right? You don't know this you before you start. Yeah, but you didn't wait until you had everything figured out because you know someone else would have come and done it or, or you wouldn't have done it eventually. So what – sorry, go on. No, no, you're, you're good. What, what did Engineer help you – how did it help you with your business? What skills did it give you for you for hospitality and, and what you're doing now? If we're to dumb down what an engineer is, really they're like problem solvers. All, all you're doing every single day is solving a problem or, so, or, or figuring out the answer to a riddle. So um, in a very, very, you know, dumbed down way, that's essentially what I was doing every single day. Mm. So that very analytical, mathematical brain that I learned to hone over those three, four years I worked as a structural engineer, I really bring to this business. And so if there's ever a problem, I really sit down, assess all the options and try to engineer a way um, that we can improve on the problem or we can fix the problem completely. Mm, I love that because it's because business is problem solving. Definitely. You know, like you said, there's problem after problem. And, and now you've, you know, we're going to talk about your growth, but... You know, there is problems. It doesn't matter. You get bigger, there's bigger problems. So I think the, the problem solving there is, is so crucial. Do you, do you still – would you advise people – let's just say I'm 18 years old and I'm about to go to uni but I want to open my own business. Would you still recommend I go to university? That's a good one. Um, I, I'm an advocate for people going to university if what their passion is requires a degree behind it. So if you're really passionate about – you know, becoming a doctor and you really want to help people, the only, you can't just set up a clinic and start treating people. That's right. So go get your degree, um, go chase that dream. But if there's something you're passionate about and you're too fearful that it might not work out and you want to get a degree as a backup, I think shoot your shot first. Mm -hmm. Go and give that a crack before you enroll in like a degree that costs you four years of your life and $40,000 in hex debt. Yeah, I totally agree. And, and, and I never went to university because I, there was nothing that inspired me or motivated me. I look back now and I wish I went to like maybe business school, whatever, but I guess I'm learning as I go, you know. So, yeah, you're learning on the job. Yeah, 100%. And so you, you've got the – you started in lockdown and I think – I think what's really cool is you started in lockdown, your business exploded, um, you opened a second uh, – uh, you start a trailer. What was the feeling like? Did you think things were going to die down once lockdown finished? To be honest, we did a little – me and my sister did a little bit initially think, you know, um, well, we, is it just a lockdown thing? Um, but I think the fact that my sister is so creative with the flavours. If Phil, if your, sister, your sister's a partner in the business. Yeah, yeah? She's, she's my business partner. Okay, awesome. So – um, Phil, if there's ever a flavour that you're looking at on our page and you think, wow, that's a banger of a flavour, just know that it came from her mind. Wow. She's so good with that stuff. She's so creative. Mm. Um, does, she, does she have a chef background, bakery background? She, no, she doesn't. But in our family, she is the best cook. Okay. Uh, my sister Marina is going to kill me, but Gabby is the better cook. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Marie. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so you're... you're, you're like you said, you're creating. She's creating amazing flavors. So, did that give you hope? Every week, every week, man. And you got to see the response to some of these. Like, I, and I love it, right? People will message us and be like, "Oh, what about this flavor? What about that flavor?" And, and that's where Gabby's creativity really, really shines, right? She'll, she'll come to me and be like, "Look, I've got this, I've got this idea for a flavor 
right? Um, what do you think? And you know what's funny is that I'm always a little bit sceptical about the flavours, but it just shows that how creative she is. Anytime I'm sceptical and I'm like, oh, Gav's like, I don't know about this flavour. Let me tell you, it goes absolutely gangbusters. Wow. Every time. That's yeah. cool. So you obviously got the – you're keeping it relevant by changing flavours up, yeah. things like that. How was business out of lockdown once you, once you guys were trading normally? You're going from location to location. I think a lot more people were so, – so firstly, we were able to visit a whole bunch of, of new areas we were never able True. to visit before. And a lot of people were um, – felt safer coming out. There's no zero COVID cases in yeah. the community. You don't have to social distance anymore. So a lot more people ended up coming down and trying our treats and, and telling other people about it. So it wasn't like COVID was our peak. It was like it was a starting phase for us. Yeah, it gave you a bit of a push and then yeah, you were able to right. keep going. Yeah. So you start in the tent, you open a, a trailer, you start a trailer, then you get a second trailer. Then I get a second trailer, yep. So things are great. You're growing. Yeah. With those, with the growth comes challenges. What What were you worried about as you were growing? So you got the trailer. You got two trailers. Did you have the tent, or is that done? Is the tent? No, no. The tent. <laughs> the tent we may do with straight away. We okay, really okay. never wanted to bring that out again. Okay. So you got two trailers. Is it harder for you now because you've gone from one venue where you're at all the time to having two, essentially two locations? Yeah. How do you deal with that? Phil, I I very naively thought that starting a second trailer would just be like. Oh, like I know how to do one. How hard is two? Mm. It's not like it's double the work, right? It's sometimes it's even more than that. Mm. Finding two spots that aren't close enough together every single week, moving each trailer by myself, um, it's very difficult, man. Yeah. It's very, very difficult. Um, so I, I thought initially it'd just be, you know, copy paste one. Uh, I already do it here. Why can't I just do it there? It's actually a lot more work than that. So um, we had to hire more staff. Obviously, we were going to hire more staff, but we had to hire more than we thought okay. we needed. Um, and I ended up signing like a casual lease at a shopping centre. So that really took the, the strain off finding another location. Two locations every yeah. week, yeah. And, and that's where we really hit our groove. You know, I'm, I'm moving one and I'm keeping one stationary. Okay. And it's, it's funny, you said you were a bit naive about the second location, but I think... Anyone you interview on a podcast or other podcasts that I've listened to, they say, if I knew what I knew now, if I knew then what I know now, then I, I wouldn't have done it, right? Definitely. Because it's, it's, you think, oh, it's going to be easy. We're going to open. And 100%. So you, you got the two trailers now and then we cop another lockdown. But yeah. during this process, you're working on your own warehouse, Curbside Creamery HQ. Yeah, that's right. Can you talk to us about that and why you started that? Okay. Let me just tell you that I – I – I ran the house. I, I still live with my parents and I, mine and my sister's business basically ran the house. We took over. <laughs> they, we took over. parents. Yeah. We took over. And um, so even before we got the second trailer, me and Gabby were like, all right, we need to get out of here. This is not. My mom's going to have a nervous breakdown if we keep, if we keep piling boxes of stock in here. Like it's ridiculous. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and not just like we took over the garage, we took over so many rooms inside the house. So um, we made that decision early on to go, you know, lease a warehouse um, for all our stock to keep our trailers. Mm. And um, it just, it really, really helped us propel that growth. So we were in a really good position to buy more stock or, 
you know, to, to bring the cost of some stuff down because we can purchase more, we have more storage room, just stuff like that. It gave us an office to go to every morning, um, get in a proper routine. Every morning, we're not just sitting at home trying to do work. We're waking up, we're driving to the office, we're clocking in, we're clocking out. Yeah. So it was more set, you're setting it up as a business, like a proper legit yeah, business, you know. Yeah, we're, we're, it was still a legit business before, but like you said, your poor mum was gonna have a breakdown. She honestly, I, I think I almost drove her to insanity. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, I'm I'm loving this because your passion is just I can hear when you talk, you can just it's amazing. It so you start the HQ and obviously you got the two locations, but at this point are you thinking were you online at this point or were you thinking on a push online? We no, we were online, but we weren't um I was so busy with the locations and the rostering and, you know, um, new staff, adding new things to, to our – like adding new – like adding ice cream and waffles and um, coming out with new products uh, for, our, for our business that I wasn't really focusing on the online store at all. Um, and it wasn't until the second lockdown and we weren't actually able to physically trade to customers anymore that – we really focused and honed in on the website. Do you think the the warehouse allowed you to go? Okay, we got the, we're going to set the website up. We're going to do online, and the warehouse allowed you to. A hundred percent. Yeah, we wouldn't have been able to do any of the stuff that we did past the second trailer without that warehouse. But you only went to that warehouse, and I think this is an important lesson. You went to the warehouse when you had maximised the space at your parents' house, right? Definitely. Yeah. So with with a space like um, the warehouse, you're doing online. Is is this where you see the future? Definitely. I'm really, really enjoying having the online part of the business. It's a big challenge and it's totally different to what we normally do. You know, yeah. Serving like retail customers, that they're coming up, we're making their order and they're taking that away. It's definitely very different, but it's, so, it's also in its own way so satisfying mm. because we get messages from people who can't visit their loved ones that say, hey, thank you so much for for providing the service that you provide during this lockdown because I was able to send my grandma a birthday cake um, and write a, a really heartfelt message on that mm. even though I wasn't physically able to go see her. So thank you so much. And that, that sort of feedback is the stuff that we share with our team and we're like, have a look at what we're doing. Yeah. This is really, really satisfying stuff. Yeah, I love that. And it's it's there's such a great opportunity to give the experience that you'd give when they'd come to your trailer. Yeah. You're delivering that experience now, you know, and it's 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 massive and you're set up to do that, which is awesome. So so what essentially for Curbside Creamery, there's a lot more questions I want to ask, but with Curbside Creamery, what's the vision? What's the goal? If I said to you, do you know where you want to be in five years' time? Or is it something you're still trying to figure out and you're just kind of going with the flow? Uh, if People are thinking about cakes. I want them to think of our cakes. And so five, ten years down the line, that's essentially what yeah. I want to be. Like a household name where people are like, man, I love those cakes, you know? So how do you get to that point? What's your plan? Pretty much the way we've been doing it now, you know, figuring it out as we go along. Yeah. So, I mean, your, your cake is very popular, tastes amazing, looks amazing. Thanks, you, you, it ticks a lot of the boxes, Thanks, right? How do, you, how do you stay relevant? I mean, you did speak about, you know, like changing up products, stuff like that, but... It's, it's, a, it's a business which is getting a lot more competitive. Um, how do you stay relevant, especially in this, like this day and age with social media? Phil, I, I tell you this, like some of the flavours that we're coming out with are going to like blow your mind. Like yeah. things that you didn't even think people would be doing with cakes. Mm -hmm. Like That's I'm cool. telling you, Gabby is a genius. So this sort of stuff I really feel like is, is going to help keep us relevant. Yeah. And, and, and talking about relevant, how important has social media been for your growth? You've got a massive following. 
man, it's it's we would be nowhere today without social media. It's such an important part of the marketing strategy for I think any business. People wouldn't have been able to find us when we were a tent if it wasn't for mm. that social media. Yeah. So with with is there strategies that you have with social media now or is it just like keep posting awesome looking photos, <laughs> locations? Like what's how does it work? That's basically it, man. Keep posting really good content that our audience resonate with and keep trying to innovate on the flavors. And what we do what we do regularly as well is I'll, I'll put up a post or my sister will put up a post and I'll be like, hey, what flavors do you guys want to see? You know, so we'll listen to our customers. Like if there's a certain flavor they want on the menu, that's what we want to be able to give them. Yeah, so. if, t- if 10 people say we want Biscoff, for example, you yeah. want Biscoff, right? Oh, that's always on the menu. You know, a big one has been Kinder Bueno. Like really? People absolutely love Bueno. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a, Bueno is like a childhood memory, right? Yeah, like, yeah definitely. <laughs> and, and with competition, is it something where have you seen a lot more of these people pop up, quite a lot of competition, or are you still guys like, would you still consider yourself the leader in the space when it comes to the cheesecake? Look, they are. This is the thing. Everybody's going to have their own taste buds and their own flavor, and they're, they're going to like what they like, right? And competition is is healthy, you know. Um, giving people that option sort of solidifies whether or not you know you're doing the right thing. If they're still coming to you, and there's other people out there, you know, doing their thing, that phenomenal, fantastic. You know, you know, you're onto something that people are still enjoying, so it's great. Yeah. So it's something where you think it's competition is keeping you healthy and yeah, keep of course, pushing man. you. And we, we, I can't be inside everybody's house at once. You know, mm-hmm. there's, there's only so many cakes we can get out every day and deliver. So by all means, if, if someone else wants to give it a crack, go ahead. Yeah. And do you see Curbside being um, national? Australia? Wow, that's a that's – a, I'd love that, Phil, yeah. honestly. That's something that if I can be all over Australia, why not? Yeah. And there's no reason why you can't, right? If you can set up two locations, there's no reason why you can't set up two states, right? So. It's definitely a big leap, but... <laughs> Just get one sibling here, one sibling in Melbourne, and you keep going from there. So. We're going to need more siblings. <laughs> um, so you got... You, you definitely... This is... I mean, there's no looking back now in regards to, you know, going back to engineering, anything like that. Like, curbside creamery is the future. Is that is that how you see it? I, I've never been more satisfied with the work that I'm doing now than I have in any other job, so... That's really cool. I'm man. really enjoying what I'm doing. That's really cool. So obviously, we you know we've spoken about a lot of the wins. You know, you're doing such a great job. You've got a massive following, great product. But I also every podcast I try to talk about like the the hard hard times, the battles, the yeah. mental health. Yeah. I think it's important people know that it's not just all likes and followers and business. And can you talk to us if you've had any tough times in business or in life, and, and if you have, how have you got it through them? Sure, man. Um, I think what I find the biggest challenge um, when coming into business is learning when to switch off my work brain. I'll be at home or I'll be trying to watch a movie or something like that and I'll constantly be thinking about how can I improve the customer experience? How can I improve or innovate on the product? How can I give someone something that's going to knock their socks off? Or, um, you know, I'll get into bed and... Really, this should be the time that I'm relaxing and getting ready to sleep, wake up for the next day. But instead, you know, I'm going through emails and responding to customers. And and really, that's something that I should set hours for and then do within those hours so that, Mm. you know, my brain, like I'm still available to hang out with my family and I'm I'm present. 
I'm in the moment. Um, so that's something that I've definitely had to work on since starting a business. It's more work than I've ever done before and it requires more of my attention than anything that's ever required it. Um, but in saying that, I love it. So it's something that I keep doing. I just need to remind myself, you know, stop working now, relax, do you have feet, get back to it. Do you have things in place to do that or is it just one of those things as a reminder? Thank, thankfully, my girlfriend's really good with this sort of stuff. So she, Shout out to the girlfriend. Yeah, smart. shout out to the girlfriend. <laughs> um, so she reminds me to, you know, take a beat, take a 10-minute breather, meditate, relax, try and be in that moment and don't think about work just for that little window of time. Yeah. And it's funny because the more you do that, the more you find you go back into work with a fresh, clear outlook mm. and it's like, it's refreshing, you know. You can, um, you can then take moments in a day where you're not always thinking about work. Yeah. That's so really good. I think it, there is that tough point that you touched on that because you love it so much, it's hard to switch off from it, right? Definitely. And it's, it is your, it's your income, it's your, it's your life. It's become a big part of who you are and, and what you do. And, but you're right, finding that balance of saying, hey, it's time to switch off is so important, hey? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so, so, any, so is that the kind of advice you'd give to anyone in regards to going through a bit of a hard time or, or is so focused on business, just find that balance? And definitely. Don't, don't, forget, don't forget to take a beat to relax, to appreciate what you've built and how far you've come. And that's something that I've really, really struggled with, you know. I don't appreciate all the big wins that we have. Like, I need to really... It's something that my girlfriend has to bring up to me a lot, you know. Yeah. Like, relax, have a look at how far you've come. Yeah. You know, maybe you're not where you want to be just yet, but you've actually come a really long way. So, mm. you know, be appreciative and, and enjoy that. Yeah, my brother always says to me, he's like, you got to smell the roses along the way. That's exactly it. You know, and it's so true. And I think if you get to a point where, let's just say, argument's sake, you want to sell the business in a year's time and you sell it for this crazy amount, you look back and you wouldn't be proud of the sale, you'd be proud of the journey that you took along the That's way. That's 100% correct. You know, so I think it's, it's just, it's so cool watching the journey. And, I, and it's funny because you felt, when we were talking about coming on the podcast, you're like, what do I have to offer? And I think... There's so much value in this episode and this podcast because you just, Thanks, yeah, honestly, and it's, and <laughs> it's, it's funny, you, you know, there's going to be a lot of people that look up to you and they're going to be reaching out for asking for advice. So with that, and obviously we spoke about someone going from corporate to, to um, owning their own business, but if someone wants to start their own business, yeah. would you give them the same advice or what, what, what advice would you give them if someone, a random just wants to start their own business? You, you touched on it earlier, Phil. Um, don't wait till you're ready. You know, I'm not saying don't do any research, don't do any of the hard work that you need to do to start the business and just quit your job. Mm. I'm saying don't wait until you're 100% ready to do it. Just dive in. Really really obsess about what you're about to what what business you're about to start. Learn learn your craft, learn your product, hone your skills and then give it a red hot crack. Honestly, just just go for it. Yeah. Do not wait until your product is 100% perfect in your eyes because there's going to be things that you don't know are a problem until you start selling to a customer and they say to you, hey, or, or just, just like the packaging, you know. I didn't know, you know, we were going to go through so much packaging and it was going to spend me, I was going to, I was going to spend hours every day cutting, cutting a hole out for the, the skewer to come out. You know, yeah, so just start, dive in, give it a crack. Yeah, and there's so much out there advice-wise and people and businesses and, you know, you see it's 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 amazing when you read a book of someone that's been in the industry for 20 years, essentially you're getting a degree in a book 
and you're just understanding what they're doing. So like you said, dive in there, ask for help, ask for advice. With that, who is how do you how do you keep learning and growing? You know, is there mentors? Is there books? Is there podcasts? What's me, your me and my sister? The, we I really want to learn from people that have been in the hospitality industry and that work with cake and chocolate and you know dessert, the, like really big names in dessert. So me and her are actually like it's funny that you bring this up. We're looking at taking like a course in like chocolatiers. Like we want to learn mm. exactly how to work with chocolate. Like. We know enough to do what we're doing now, but we really want to elevate it, you know. We really want to bring a special element to our cakes and we want to be able to infuse the chocolates with different flavours and different like... Elevating really it. Really elevating it. Yeah. So, I just think that, that, that... I'm so glad I asked you that question because it's so <laughs> important that you're at a point now where your business is quite successful, you and your sister are living off this income, but you're still wanting to learn and grow and get better and be better and be of the course. best. How important is that constant learning? I love it, to be honest. Yeah. Like, I'm actually obsessed with learning about this stuff. In my spare time, I'm actually YouTubing stuff like, you know, how, how can we get chocolate to look like this or behave like this and how can we innovate this part of the cake or this, you know, it's, yeah. I'm obsessed with it. It's amazing. Yeah, I think that constant um, hunger for growth is always going to set you up and make sure your business is successful and that's probably why you can't switch off because <laughs> yeah. you're watching YouTube videos of chocolate <laughs> at midnight. <laughs> um, is, there, is there a mentor in your life um, it could be a parent, it could be a sibling, it could be a hospitality operator. Is there a mentor that you've looked up to and said, this is where I want to be, this is where I want to get to? Or, or, or that it's, helped you get to this point? It, it's probably a little bit cliche, but I would have to say my mum and my dad are my two biggest mentors. My mum, because she's so caring and loving and anything that she does, she really puts her whole heart into it. And um, that's something that I find when you bring to business people really resonate with that they can tell that you care about this so much mm. so um, my mum in that sense and my it's dad busy. is the hardest worker I've ever met I, there's no one that I think that will work as hard as this man he does not complain it doesn't matter what he has to do he gets the job done and if I can work half as hard as him um Curbside might be national. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, you just mentioned care, love and hard work. Yeah. And that's, man, that's, 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 that's the secret, right? Thanks, Phil. Yeah. So, and how proud... It's a secret sauce. That's the 100%. <laughs> how proud are your parents of you what you guys have achieved? Oh, man. They have... They've been um, patting me on the shoulder since the start. You know, me and my sister, they're just so proud. My dad, um, whenever we have a massive turnout, my dad's that guy that is rocking up to wherever we are and recording everything and then it's sending it on man. these WhatsApp group chats and like, hey, look at what my son and my daughter have done. Like he's really, really like, he loves it. Mm. He, he, and anytime we're mentioned in an article, he's like, send that article to me, please. That's I, beautiful. I want to show my friends. I want to show, <laughs> I want to show everyone back home. Yeah. You seem like a very close family that just support each other. Yeah, d definitely. I wouldn't be able to have done half of what we did in such a short amount of time without all of my family, not just my mum, my dad, my, my cousins, my extended family, my friends, everybody has actually pitched in and helped us. It's, it's amazing. Yeah, I just think it's beautiful that, that support you have around you and it's, it's so important for that success, right? Thanks. What, as we start wrapping up, what's, what's one thing you want, at least one thing you want someone to say about your product once they've tried it? About your cheesecake. Damn, that's good cheesecake. <laughs> <laughs> Is this cheesecake? What's in this? <laughs> that's. I mean, that's the response you want, right? So, how, how do you how do you deal with with reviews and, and bad feedback and, and someone saying they don't like your product or 
Which is very rare, but... Yeah, but... Look, <clears throat> I know I can't be everything to everyone, you know. I, I know that not everybody is going to be as obsessed with the product as me. In saying that, when I get negative reviews, Phil, it does... It hits hard, all right? And everyone knows... It, all of the, our employees, everybody knows this about me. If there's negative feedback or if I see a photo of a product and it's not 100% perfect, that stays with me. And I start dwelling on it and thinking on it and it keeps me up. Um, and there's, there's a positive and negative to being like that. The positive is you're going to obsess over your product until you make sure that whatever the person's complaining about or the negative feedback you're getting, you're going to try and eliminate that from from your product. You're going to try and perfect it so that no one else ever complains about whatever they're complaining about, right? And the negative is that, like I mentioned before, it keeps me up at night and I, I dwell on it and I think about it and um, I obsess over it really. But um, I'm learning to take the feedback, take the feedback, don't take it personally, don't let it get to you, you know, and, and just take whatever constructive criticism you can get out of that um, out of that negative feedback and really try and improve. Yeah, I love that. And and you know what? There was an, there was uh, Ibi from Nord and, and Lilimu. He answered it perfectly, saying we take it seriously, but we don't take it personally. Yeah, that's. Exactly but it's also it. very hard to take it yeah, not take it personally. When when this is your, like your baby, this is your product. You know, it's really hard. Yeah, one hundred percent. All right, as we start wrapping up, is there anything else you want to add to this podcast that you think I've missed that can add value to anyone listening or something that you thought I should have asked? No, not really. I think you covered all the bases. The only thing I would say is come down to Percy Plunkett and visit <laughs> Phil. And visit Phil. You're, you're going you're gonna to get an awesome cup of coffee. And trust me, when you see this guy and he starts chatting to you, he's, he's a master negotiator, okay? <laughs> he convinced me to jump on this podcast even though I didn't want to. He's a great guy. No, thank you, man. I'll, I'll edit that bit out. Thanks, bro. <laughs> yeah, um, please do. Yeah. <laughs> um, Obviously, my final question is is from one of my favorite podcasts, um, Guy Raz, How I Built This. And his final question is, how much of your success do you put down to hard work and how much to good luck? I would have to say um, maybe 90-10. 90 hard work, 10% luck. Mm. Where's um, the luck? What's, what, what part of it's luck? Why luck? Look, we, we were really lucky, right, and fortunate to, you know, I, I was lucky to have been let go from work and lucky that um, – I've got the kind of support network around me that pushes me to do something even though, you know, I'm unemployed at the moment, you know, like my, my girlfriend, my, my friends, my family. Um, lucky that, you know, people resonate with our product and they like it and they enjoy it. So there's all of these elements of luck, right? Um, but then there's so much hard work that goes on to to capitalise on that luck, you know? Mm. And I'm not just talking about me or my sister Gabby. I'm talking about everybody that's helped us along the way, you know? There's been uh, there's been countless times when my friends or my family have stayed up with me really late to prepare for the next day or help me move the trailer into a tricky spot. I can't explain to you how much hard work goes into what we do. It's not, you know, people would speak to me and be like, oh, you only work four days a week. That's that's awesome. Nah, man, I work 24-7. <laughs> I work 24-7. So, yeah. so do my friends. They help me with everything. So do my family. So does my sister, you know? Yeah, I, I think I think that hard work is, is the reason why, you you know, it's that luck comes from all that hard work that you guys create, you know. And, and, and like you said, it's, it might look like a three, four-day business, but really you're working seven days a week, 24-7. So, yeah. Jono, 
Mate, absolute pleasure. I, I, Thank I, you, Phil. I knew Thank this you. episode was going to be special, but I just think there's so much value. And I think it's – I can't wait till you realise the, the impact you have on other people, man. It, it's honestly it's, – it's such a good episode and thank you for, for taking the time and thank you for what you've created, man, because you've created something really cool and I think it's, it is going to be Australia-wide one day. Th so. Thanks, Phil. I really appreciate it, man. My Thanks pleasure. for having me. My pleasure. Thank you. Right.